0: Great, great day. Thank you, Dan. Great time of worship this morning as we uh, begin our new series, Changed Lives. Uh, Last week was uh, a great Easter. We had a a great week here. The whole church, uh, just the resurrection on trial. Uh, A lot of people talking about the the things that were brought up on the resurrection on trial. A lot of people talking about the book. And uh, I ran into somebody in the community the other day, and they told me that they were here they have that book. So uh, it's exciting to hear that people are getting excited about the things of God. Today I'd like to ask you to turn to the book of John chapter 20. We're going to begin a journey of looking at lives that have been changed by Christ. And uh, when He changes your life, He, he changes it. it it's, a, it's a major deal. So today we're going to begin in uh, John 20. But before we go there, I'd like to remind you that Jesus made his appearances to more than 500 witnesses for 40 days after his resurrection. Jesus made appearances to more than 500 witnesses for 40 days after his resurrection from the dead. Um, The Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 6, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he had been seen by Cephas. That's the Aramaic name for Peter. He had been seen by Peter, then by by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. At that point... The Apostle Paul is sharing, he's saying, listen, Jesus had, he did, he died, he was buried, he rose again, and he had made his appearances to more than 500 people. I want you to think with me about about what Jesus did here. Not only did he die a brutal death on the cross, not only was he buried in a tomb, not only did he indeed rise again from the dead, but the proof comes out when you see the risen Lord. I like what the, uh, the case for Easter says in that book. In the back, they quote Dr. Habermas from Liberty University. He says that the, the, the empty tomb wasn't the, enough proof. It was the risen Lord that was the proof. And so when you saw, when, the, when these people were able to meet the risen Lord, there was the proof. They remember him on the cross, crucified, destroyed, uh, battered and beaten. And then here he is, alive again. And so for 40 days... But when you look in the scripture, you'll notice the number 40 appears quite often. It, uh, you'll see number 40 happens a lot in the scripture. And um, the number 40 generally symbolizes a period of testing or a time of trial or a, t- or a time of probation. Take, for example, the life of Moses. Moses spent 40 years. He grew up under, in the courts of Pharaoh, in the palace of Pharaoh, and then uh, in Egypt. And then he goes out into the desert. God takes him out into the desert, and he's tending flock in the desert for another 40 years. And then at age 80, God gives him a mission, and he has to go out, and he leads the children of Israel to lead millions of people through the desert for 40 more years. And so we see three sets of 40 in in the life of Moses. Um, We also see that the law had had specified uh, the number 40 as as the amount of lashes that a man could receive uh, for a crime. So number we see the number 40 again. We see that the Israelite spies, they, they took 40 days to spy out the land of Canaan. We see that Goliath taunted Saul's army for 40 days before David came out with a slingshot to slay him. Jesus' temptation in the New Testament, 40 days, 40 nights. So we see there's a significant number here. And so so the, the writer here, the the. The Apostle Paul is telling us, hey, listen, for 40 days, and and he's trying to get you to lean in. This number is significant. Lean in. 40 days. Jesus appeared. He didn't just come around for a few days. He spent some time here on earth. He didn't just ascend into heaven. He spent that time, and he made these appearances, and those appearances changed people's lives. Those appearances were the proof that we have today of our living Lord. Acts 1.3 says this, that he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Then again over in Acts 13. Uh, we, we see here Acts 13.30 and 31. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. So when Jesus went around and he made these appearances, these appearances to the people, their lives were changed because they saw that this was the resurrected and living Lord. And as the disciples and the, the early church, these early believers were going out, they were telling people, he lives, he's alive, he died, he buried, he is alive. And so this was the message That changed their lives. So today we're going to begin in John 20. We're going to look at a life that was changed. John 20, verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. We're going to be looking at the life of Mary Magdalene this morning. While it was still dark, uh, she went to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple, and this is John. That's how John's humbly referring to himself. John, the other disciple, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the other linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and saw and believed, for as yet... They did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. I want you to think with me this morning. Here comes Mary Magdalene. She's she's come to the the tomb. She's ready to serve her Lord again. She's she's come now with the, the spices, with the oil to anoint the linen cloths of Jesus. And she was expecting to find that body still in the tomb. She arrives, the stone has been rolled away and immediately she runs to find the disciples to let them know, to warn them that the body of Jesus is missing. At this point, she isn't going to tell them that he is alive. She's going to tell them that he is missing. She was honestly expecting him to be in the tomb. And why was she expecting him to be in the tomb? Because dead people don't normally come alive. Uh, that's just not the normal way that the events happen, is it? And so they, she was not expecting Jesus to be alive. They had been with Jesus for three years. The disciples had been with him for three years, and they didn't catch it. They weren't standing there saying, Okay, Sunday we're going to go down, and he's, he's going to be walking around in the garden down there. They were expecting to continue on a process of grief. And, uh, and this was the new way that Jesus was going to show them here shortly. How that he conquered death. And that, uh, and that because he conquered death, we will have life. So Mary Magdalene goes to the other apostles and, and, she, and gets them to come down. Look at uh, Luke 24, 10 through 11 here. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So it wasn't just Mary Magdalene. John is focusing on Mary Magdalene. We see it from over here in Luke that also there were other women with her at that point. And they were coming down and they were, they were preparing. It was the, the custom to do this to the, to the body. And their words seemed, and here's an interesting verse here, verse 11. And their words seemed to them, to the apostles, like idle tales. And they did not believe them. Now, so, so Mary was, in, was not expecting Jesus to be alive. She was expecting that body to be in the tomb. And the disciples were expecting Jesus to be, his body to be in the tomb. Um, another translation says this, and we'll pull that up there. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. It was like, Mary, what are you talking about? We just buried Jesus. It's only been three days. And so, so the first century Christians here, we even see that they have documented their own uh, doubts, their own disbelief that they've had. And I want to encourage you as as believers, sometimes we look at these these characters in the Bible and we think that they've got it all together. Uh, They were human and they had a lot of things to work through. And here they were working through this issue, even though they were with Jesus. And Jesus told them that he was going to rise again. It wasn't coming to them. They weren't, it didn't connect for them. Um, at this point, Mary's afraid. She's confused and she is, she's, she's in pain. She's hurting. The first person to see the resurrected Lord was, uh, was Mary Magdalene. The first person to see the resurrected Christ was Mary Magdalene. That's the second point in your notes there this morning. John 20, verses 11 through 18 now. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she went, she stood and looked into the tomb. So Mary is, is in this great state of grief. Not only did she go down there early in the morning to prepare and work on the, the body, to, 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 uh, on the burial clothes, but now she's standing there and she's weeping because the body is taken. And she saw two angels in white sitting, Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So we see here that Mary Magdalene is the first person to see the resurrected Christ. But who is this Mary Magdalene? Who is she? Um, You know, as you look through the scripture, you'll see that there is a place called Magdala. And it was an important agricultural, fishing, and trade center on the West Bank of Galilee. And so as as Jesus had his ministry, he went around to the different towns, to the different places. And this was a lady that was one of the converts along the way. She became a follower of Christ. Um, We find several Marys mentioned in the gospel, uh, in the gospels. We see Mary, of course, that's the mother of Jesus. We see Mary of Bethany. And here we see Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. Mary Magdalene's life, though, before she became a follower of Christ, was filled with despair. Her life was absolutely filled with despair. Um, Over in Luke chapter 8, it says this, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And the certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Mary's life before Christ, she had seven demons. Now think, think with me a life, somebody who's filled with Demons. I think today we hear people say, oh, that I have a demon that I have to deal with in my life. Um, When you think of somebody that is demon-possessed, what imagery comes to your mind? Over in uh, Luke chapter 8, we see uh, further on in Luke chapter 8, we see that Jesus dealt with a demon-possessed man. Uh, The scripture doesn't tell us what demons that Mary Magdalene had to deal with, but we do see that there were seven demons that she had to deal with. The demon-possessed man, he, the Bible says that he wore no clothes. Uh, he, he, um, he could, Chains could not bound this man. He, was, he lived in a tomb, couldn't even live in a house. His life was totally destroyed, totally wrecked. And I want to encourage you to think about your life before you came to Christ. Because we were all in that position of despair. This is where Mary was. Mary was in that position of despair. She was desperate. Uh, Mary was lost in, in despair. Her life, uh, being, being under this uh, demon possession, she was tortured. She was tormented. Um, and, and probably many people would call her insane at that point. I remember a few years back we were in New York City. And we, we saw a person in New York City and uh, we were out in Central Park, actually, and the person was just... Clothes were all ripped up and just kind of talking to himself and just... And we all called him insane. But, you know, in this, in this moment here, the Scriptures are telling us about people that are demon-possessed. And, and so a lot of times, we may write off some things like that, some of those people, and there may be some activity that, that, that the enemy is doing there. But here, we're seeing that clearly Jesus cast out seven demons out of this lady. And her life was in despair. She was in a hopeless condition. Um, That lost state that was controlled as she was was controlled by the demons, she had no help of salvation. And why did she have no help of salvation? Because nobody would get near her. She wasn't even allowed to come into the temple. Nobody wanted to, to deal with this lady. Nobody, a respectable person in society, would even even want to associate with with Mary. She had nothing to look forward to but a life of insanity, a life of torment and torture. She was living in a hopeless condition. Since she was under uh, under that control, she was powerless to change her own life. She could not make this change. She couldn't just all of a sudden come out because she was under the control of demonic activity. So what does Jesus do? Jesus could have come and taken other women to be on his team for support there. He could have chosen other people to be on the support team, but he chose somebody that was able to experience his power because she was a delivered woman. Not only was she a woman lost in despair, she was delivered by Christ. Jesus delivered her. And she went from being controlled by a demon to being set free. And she experienced the, the power of God in her life. She became a redeemed person. Um, she was, she was a, like the slave. Redeemed means to enter into a slave market and redeem the slave, off the slave block by payment of a ransom, forever removed from the sale. And that's what happened. She was removed off that slave block. She is freed. And Jesus set her free. She got to experience the Lord's power. And uh, because, you know, demons are alive. Demons are real. The Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. However, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? So today, you may be dealing with some things in your life. You say, I am living in a life of despair. Think of lives of addictions. People who have addictions. We have to deal with addictions and all those type of things torture torment our own mind and here's here's a place that Jesus says I will come and I will set you free I will deliver you of that that's so exciting for me as a believer I don't have to go back and live there anymore I don't have to go back there I've been set free from that because I've been delivered and that's what happened to Mary Magdalene not only was she lost in despair at one point She was delivered. She got to experience the peace of Christ. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I have given unto you. When God calls us unto himself, he gives us peace. And peace does not necessarily mean that he's going to change your circumstances. Sometimes people think, well, I don't have any peace because my circumstances haven't changed. God never said anything about changing your circumstances. Um, he said that he would give you peace. So that means that you'll be able to navigate your way through those circumstances because you will know that you have the Lord with you, that he can walk you through those times. So Mary was a life that was was, was delivered by Christ, and then she goes a step further, and she becomes a life that is devoted to Jesus. So she went the whole spectrum. She went from being lost in despair, she's delivered. And now she's devoted to Jesus. And we know that from, uh, from that passage over here in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 again. We'll, we'll pull that up. So Mary Magdalene, out of whom had come uh, seven demons, and it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve with him. And then go, we'll go down to the, to the third verse there. Not only was there Mary Magdalene, but also Joanna, the wife of of Shusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him from their substance. They ministered to him of their own substance. She was devoted. And what we believe here is that there was a team of women that were part of the ministry of Jesus. They were the support team, and they gave financially. They would not only give, they would give, the Bible says here, of their own substance. It was, they, would, they would give of their self, they would give of their finances, and they would care for the ministry of Jesus. So what we see here is a, a group of women. You know, when, when, you, when you're thinking of the plays we do in church, you always see Jesus come down the aisle and there's the 12 disciples, right? And we get all excited about that. And yes, that was the main part of the ministry. But there was also other people that followed him all around. And part of these people, this group of women that were supporting, making meals possibly for him, for not just Jesus, but the 12, making meals, helping them to figure out lodging, and being a support team. And today, the ministry still continues, and God still needs people to support his work. As you become, as you come from this process of, of not only being lost one moment, now you're delivered. And then a part of the devotion, as we become devoted, we become devoted with our finances, with our time, with everything that we have, and we begin to give that to God. And so it's interesting to me to see that, that here was Mary Magdalene. She gave of herself. You know, when, when I think of, uh, of giving around the church, like, like we're, we're trying to uh, transform the, the children's ministry as our support team comes together and gives, that is so exciting. Because we are going to go out. We're, we're trying to bring people to Jesus. We're trying to see little kids get excited for God. Like somebody did for me whenever I was a little kid. And just see this keep going and going and going. And then there's another team of workers that come in. They're so faithful down there. They give of their time. And they, they, they pray. They, they're they're part, of, part of the team that comes in and teaches. So there's a whole lot to the ministry. And this is part of, as we become a devoted follower of Jesus, we give of ourselves. We give from, from ourselves to the Lord. Her devotion was also seen in her following. She wasn't absent. She was always there. She was part of the team. Um, we see that she was, part, uh, she was present for most, most of his ministry. We see that he was, she was present uh, at the cross. She watched him die. She was present at the tomb. She was there for the burial. And she's present even after he has died to try and care for his body. And then she gets to be the first person to see the resurrected Christ. Now, isn't that exciting? Her devotion. Her devotion. So, this morning, I'd like to encourage you to think about Mary Magdalene like this. She was, at one time, among the people that were farthest away from Christ among the people that were the farthest, so far away from Christ, that she became part, she became delivered, and now she became a part of the inner circle of support. And isn't that how God works? He transforms your life. You may be sitting here today, you may say, well, you know what, I have these things, and and God could never use me. Mary Magdalene is a prime example of who God likes to use. He comes over and says, there's a life that nobody else wanted to get near." I think I want to cast those demons out and I want to deliver you and I want to recruit you to work for me isn't that exciting? God's called us to do that there's people in your life that you may say that person would never come to God that person would never come to church you know what God says? I want to cast the demons out I want to set them free from 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 the enemy who's, who's attacking them I want to set them free from addictions. I want to set them free from from their own pride. I want to set them free so that they may become a follower of Jesus Christ. And not just a follower, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. In closing today, I'd like to remind you that when you have an encounter with Jesus, He changes your life. You don't change your life. These changed lives that we're going to look at, all these lives that we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks, Are lives that have had an encounter with Jesus. They, They met the resurrected Lord. And when you have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, he changes your life. Jesus called people to follow him. He said, come, follow me. He didn't tell them, okay, you know, go clean up your act and then follow me. He said, start following. Let's go. Come on, follow me. Jesus makes real change from the inside out. When he, attacked, when he comes to the heart and he, he attaches to the heart and the heart now is changing from the inside out, now the real change comes. But if I just try to change for somebody on the outside, that's short-lived. But when Jesus comes in and I have this relationship with him, I am able to see this transformation. Second Corinthians 5.17, Paul tells us here. Let's read this aloud together. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. He transforms your heart. Isn't that exciting? This comes from our Lord. He's the one who makes the work. I'd like to encourage you today. Josh McDowell says this about the proof. He says, the proof of the resurrected Christ is in the empty tomb, the risen Lord, and the changed lives. But the most telling, and this is from Josh McDowell, but the most telling testimony of all must be the lives of, those early, of the early Christians. We must ask ourselves, what caused them to go everywhere telling the, telling the message of the risen Christ? Had there been any visible benefits accrued to to them from their efforts, from prestige, wealth, increased social status, or material benefits, we might logically attempt to account for their actions, for their wholehearted and total allegiance to to this risen Christ. As a reward for their efforts, however, those early Christians were beaten, stoned to death, thrown into the lions, tortured, and crucified every conceivable method was used to stop them from talking yet they laid down their lives as the ultimate proof of their complete confidence in the truth of their message the risen christ changes lives as we go out we have an opportunity to have an impact in our community because our message is powerful jesus has risen from the dead Jesus, the same Jesus that rose from the dead, changed my life. And I have this opportunity to go connect with people and, and let them see that change. Let them see who Christ is in me. I want to encourage you this morning to, to make time to get, along, get alone with him and spend this daily time. Allow him to keep building this relationship with you. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to ask you today, maybe you're sitting here today and you say, wow, my life needs changed. I need Christ. I hear what you're saying today, but I am ready. I need this Jesus. I don't understand everything about him, but I want him to come in and change my life like he did Mary Magdalene, like he did so many others that's you I would like to invite you just in the quietness of this moment to to open your heart to God you can pray a prayer something like this just quietly to the Lord dear God I'm a sinner I've done wrong things in my life and I realize that my sin separates me from you I've been living a life in despair But Jesus, you died on the cross. You conquered death. You came back to life again. I invite you into my life today. God, I ask you to come in and change my life. For others here this morning, as believers, you've been you've been on the journey for some time. Maybe you've gotten cold. Maybe you just haven't been in contact with, the, with this Jesus who changes people's lives. You've gone through the motions and you're ready to, to come home, to make it real. Just call on Him today and say, just tell Him that. Say, God, I, I'm coming back. I want, I want to get real want you to change my life. I have been living empty. I've been living cold to you, Lord. Father God, I pray that you'll be with each person in this room. Help us as we think of who you are. Thank you for the, the many miracles of your life. Thank you that you rose from the dead. Thank you that you've conquered death. Thank you that you've changed my life. God, I ask you now that you'll Be with our people as they respond to the truth of your word. As they respond to you, Lord. I pray that you'll help them. Make these decisions for your kingdom's sake. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand together as we sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, we encourage you to do that. But Let's stand together.
1: for that very instructive message. We appreciate it. Ravi Zachariah, how many people have heard of him? Uh, He's one of the apologists in our country and goes around speaking everywhere. This is what he said. He said, your personal daily devotion time is the most important part of your day. If you fail there, you will fail everywhere else also. Now, that's a powerful statement. You know, church is a time for us to come and get a little shot of inspiration, encouragement. But everybody has to follow up on that. You know, we can't go home and say, okay, I'll show up in church next week. We go home and we, uh, we do what Rabbi Zachariah says. Hey, listen, this is the most important part of our day. Uh, he, he also says your personal time with God each day affects all other parts of your life. All relationships require fellowship, time spent together. And so if we're going to have a, A good connection with God, we've got to do it every day. Then when we come back to church on Sunday, we're all pumped up. (laughs) And we don't have to be pumped up. The church is a little shot of inspiration. Uh, Let's go out and uh, tomorrow and the next day and every day thereafter throughout the week. Let's just meet with God, begin to develop our our connection, make it stronger. Um, Good message. We thank you for that. Well, this has been a wonderful day in church. This is called post-resurrection. And I give you a, a hearty uh, acclamation today for, for your attendance in church this morning. We had The first service was great. You have a wonderful spirit today for which we thank God. Turn around and shake hands with your neighbor. God bless you. You're dismissed.